You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York. A community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. We're going to read two verses, two sections of scripture, and then we're going to jump in to today's sermon. First, Acts chapter 8, verse 14 to 17. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 3, verse 15 to 17, and 21 to 22. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were open, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would give us grace to hear your word and to come to your table. I pray that you would open up space in us for your word to not only be received, but to grow over time and to produce fruit. And I pray that words that have been spoken in our lives in the past will be producing fruit while we wait for this word to produce fruit, so that every day of our life, something will be planted, something will be waiting, and something will be growing all at the same time. I pray that there will constantly be a sowing, a waiting, and a reaping happening in our lives to your glory and for the blessing of those who enter our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, Salem Tabernacle, don't forget to pack. We are in the middle of a series called Don't Forget to Pack, Starting Strong to Finish Well. Here is one of the things I love about people. I hear people constantly say to me when we're in a conversation, it was just such an interesting coincidence. I was praying for somebody, and then later on that day I saw them. And then usually what happens is right in the middle of that conversation, they'll stop themselves and they'll be like, Pastor, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I said coincidence. There is no coincidence. And then some people are bold enough to make the horrible joke that says, there's no coincidence, there's only God incidents. And I try my hardest not to roll my eyes at that. Uh, I think God's rolling his eyes, so that's good enough. All joking aside, the phrase that we say, there's no coincidence with God, let me do what I always do and ruin that. There's only, look at somebody next to you in your house right now and say there is only coincidence with God. 
there's only coincidence with God. Why? Coincidence. A coincident. God doesn't do stuff by himself. He does everything he does with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and us. So everything God does is a coincidence. He doesn't do anything alone. Even if he does something by himself, he's Father, he's Son, he's Holy Spirit. He's coincidencing with his own self. If God does anything, he does it as a tri-incidence. He does it as a coincidence. And if he does anything with us, he does it as a coincidence. We just celebrated Christmas. What is Christmas? It's the birth of God into the world whose name is Emmanuel. Coincidence. Emmanuel, God with us. God is having an incident. We are having an incident. And God's incident calls our incident up into itself Like Jesus says in John 17, may they be one even as we are one. So he's calling our incidents up into himself. So his incidents and our incidents are becoming a coincidence. Not even preaching about that right now. I still have ADD with nobody in the room. How is that possible? Why am I going on and on about coincidence? Here's why. As a pastor, I have to know what is God saying uniquely to the church I pastor? What is he saying uniquely to the good people of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York, in the Hudson Valley, in Dutchess County in 2022? What is he saying to us? I have to preach on what is God saying to us right now? But the other thing I need to know is what is God saying to the whole church at one time? So we have two things. We have what's called the lectionary, which is a three-year preaching series that takes you through the whole Bible if you preach it every single day. And that has been established for a very long time, and I preach from it every single Sunday. Every Sunday, I preach from the lectionary that's been prepared since many, 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 many years ago. And God always gives us a fresh word in the midst of an old plan, which is what I love about him. He takes that which is old and that which is new, and he makes them one. But the other thing I do is I throw in verses that I felt God gave me for that Sunday. And they coincidence together. And what's happening right now is one of the coolest coincidences of God's life, calling our life up into it, and God saying, I put some fish on the grill, but you just caught some fish, so bring your fish, and I'll put it on the grill next to my fish. If you think I'm kidding about that, read the resurrection accounts in the Gospels. What I, on my own, apart from the lectionary, apart from church history, apart from liturgy, what I felt as your pastor was that I needed to preach this sermon called, the series called Don't Forget to Pack, where we pack four things for the journey of 2022. Last week we packed a mirror because we need to pack self-awareness so that we could have holy ambition, so that we could have holy restraint, and so that we could have holy contentment. Listen to that sermon again. 
This week, we're packing an empty suitcase. Who packs an empty suitcase? Michael Scott from The Office packs an empty suitcase. If you don't believe me, watch the Canada episode of The Office. He brings a suitcase filled with his clothes, and he brings a suitcase in case he wants to buy himself souvenirs, and he can pack them. We are packing an empty suitcase for our journey of 2022 because we need to pack space. Because God wants us to have room in our life for other people. Not because we're going to pack them into a suitcase. The analogy ends there. We need to pack space. We're not the mafia. We need to pack space. I want you to hear this. The text I wanted to preach on today, on my own, since maybe the middle of November, is Haggai 2, verse 5b. This is our verse for the year in 2022. Trust me right now, I know this introduction is long. It's going to speed up really quick. But please don't act like you're mad if I go long because you're watching on your couch and I have little to no sympathy about it right now. You're stuck with me for a little bit. And don't put me on pause so you can fill up coffee. Don't you dare put me on pause. I'll somehow, the Holy Spirit will let me keep talking. I'll do annoying things like, Alexa, play country music. Alexa, play Bing Crosby Christmas music. All of you right now are running around your house wondering what's going on with Alexa. I'll do that to you. Okay, let's get back. Let's get back. Haggai 2, verse 5b. This is our Salem verse for 2022. It's very short. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. That's what we want you to know. That's what God wants you to know. Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York in 2022. God is saying, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. We're walking through stuff that could cause us to be afraid. We're walking through stuff that is confusing. We're walking through stuff that's frustrating. God is saying, It's going to feel like a lot of things are shifting in your life this year, but just understand, my spirit remains in your midst. Don't be afraid. The spirit of Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. Your sin or your good deeds do not cause the spirit to be there any closer or any farther. The spirit is with you because Jesus is with you. Because the spirit wants to be where you are because he believes in coincidence. That's our verse for 2022. That's not the verse that we read earlier, Acts or Luke, for the lectionary. I want you to see what's happening here. So as I read through Haggai, and I read the next three verses after that, this is where I got the vision to preach the January sermon. The first vision, the first part of the sermon was self-awareness, because we need that before we can hear anything else. But now I want you to listen to this, Haggai 2, verses 6 through 9. For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake the nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, 
I will give peace, or I will give Salem, declares the Lord of hosts. I'm going to be breaking down those verses for the next three weeks, this week and the next two, talking about how we need to fill our suitcase today with an, fill our, uh, pack our car with an empty suitcase today, a serving bowl next week, and a 2023 calendar the following week. But that's what I had written down since October or November of last year. And I planned then to preach on this this week. But I also know that I'm going to preach the lectionary. Why? Look at the fabric on the, on the table and the fabric on the cross. I don't know if you can shoot over there, but the fabric on the cross and the fabric on the table, it's all white today. Why? Because the church, as a lo- at, the church across the world is celebrating the baptism of Jesus Christ today. So I'm preaching about an empty suitcase from the book of Haggai. The church everywhere is preaching about the baptism of Jesus Christ and all the implications of it. Why is this the biggest coincidence of my preaching career? Because what I want to talk to us today is about the nations. I've heard outrageously bad sermons on how God is going to shake the nations so that their money comes into our church. That is not, that is not what I want to be talking about today, because I don't think that's how you read that text. What I want to talk to us today is why we need to have room in our life for the nations and their treasures. What are the nations and what are the treasures? The nations is interesting because today we're celebrating the baptism of Jesus, which is in the season of Epiphany. And Epiphany, which started on January 6th, a couple of days ago, Epiphany is the celebration of Jesus' baptism, the birth of Jesus, his baptism, and the wise men coming to bring gifts, which represents the Gentiles or the nations of the world coming together as one. In short, the season of Epiphany is about how God unites difference. Listen to me. He unites difference without making the differences the same. He allows different nations, different groups, different ethnicities, different races, different personalities, different political backgrounds, different experiences. He allows all of this to come together and no longer exist to drive each other apart, but to show the unity that is in Christ. That's what we celebrate. When Jesus got baptized, he didn't walk through the Jordan River like the priests did in Joshua. He didn't walk through dry ground like the Israelites did in Exodus. Jesus plunged under the water. Why did he plunge under the water? He went into the water to identify with Israel because Israel in the Old Testament is always in the water. He went into the water to identify with Israel, but he went under the water to identify with Pharaoh's army and even save them because it says in Exodus that the Red Sea covered them and they drowned. And Jesus is not just the Savior of Israel. He's not just the Savior of you. He's not just the Savior of me. What did it say in Isaiah this morning? Everyone who I created, everyone who I formed, I'm going to bring through the water. And so Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River to go down under the water and take all of his enemies and save them. Because in Christ, differences are united. Why is that amazing? 
Why is it amazing that the whole church is celebrating Jesus' baptism, celebrating our baptism? When we got baptized in the tank, we went from living our own life to now becoming part of a new family, but we didn't lose our experiences when when we became part of the church. We brought our experiences. Remember Jesus, I'm making fish, but you all just caught fish. Bring your fish to me, and I'll put it on the grill next to mine. It's about difference being united, but maintaining its uniqueness. I'm not the same as all of you, but I'm part of your family, and my difference complements your difference, and your difference complements my difference. And when the Holy Spirit can allow our differences to get along with each other and, and, and present a beautiful mosaic of beauty, all of a sudden we're like a, we're like a puzzle piece where all of our differences, all of our opposites fit perfectly together, and the puzzle, when it's done, is Salem, God's peace. So in Haggai, God is saying, my spirit remains on you. And because my spirit is on you, I'm going to bring the nations into your church. I'm going to bring the nations into your country. I'm going to bring the nations into your fold. And they're going to come with their treasures. I want to talk about this today. So that's what I was going to talk to you about no matter what. But it just so happens that it's epiphany, and it just so happens that it's the baptism of Jesus. All of those things are coincidencing together. Our personal vision and the church's corporate vision across the world right now is coming together in one moment to say, God wants to bless the church with diversity. And he wants us to see our differences as opportunities to fit together like a puzzle, not as reasons why we can't coexist with each other. And the country is failing in that. Isn't it ironic, and I'm only going to say this quickly, isn't it ironic that the Feast of Epiphany is January 6th? I don't want you all to go to your phone right now and Google what happened on January 6th, and you're probably going to see a very horrible day at the capital of our country. On the day when the church is celebrating Differences coming together. We have more horror in Washington on that very day. Because we live in a country right now that is so polarized and cannot see difference as a unifying factor. We have to do better as a church. Man, I wish you guys were in the room right now. But it's okay. This is fun too. All right. So... What do we fill the suitcase with? Ian can put that up on the screen. What do we fill the suitcase with? I got a little preachy. I'm going to get a little monotone now. So what do we fill the suitcase with? In Haggai, it says three things. Nations, treasure, and glory. My spirit will remain in your midst. Well, what does God's spirit do? The first thing his spirit does is he makes us the kinds of people where other nations can come with their treasure and glory. What does that mean? We have to make space for what others bring to the table. Here's the thing. What does nations mean? It means diversity. What does treasure mean? It means gifts. And what does glory mean? It means cruciform love. I'm going to talk about this right now. 
the nations. God's saying, I'm going to shake the nations. I want everybody to know, read the book of Acts. When it says that God's going to shake the nations, I've heard that preached like he's going to ruin them and the wealth of the wicked is going to be stored up for the righteous, so we're going to get all this money. Number one, the reason why the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous is because God knows the righteous will give it. Ooh, doggy, I'll amen myself on that one. The wicked won't give their money. Wicked people are often defined by the fact in the Bible that they won't give. So the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous, not so that we could accumulate it, but so that God can finally get it to the people it has to go to. If you've ever heard a sermon where somebody said the wealth of the wicked is stored up for you so that you could have an overflowing amount of money, they're telling you that you're wicked also. The wealth of the wicked, the people who don't give, is stored up for the righteous so that we can finally give it to the people God wants to give it to. The nations, God's spirit wants to draw into Salem Tabernacle diversity. He wants our church to continue to look different. And in a moment, I'm going to list a few differences that he wants us to have here. But diversity by itself is not enough. As a matter of fact, diversity, superficial diversity is actually the enemy of diversity. Superficial diversity is actually the enemy of diversity because if all we care about is that we can check off the box that there's differences in our church, we have exactly the same amount of X, Y, and Z, if that's all we care about, then diversity is actually failing. It can't just be the existence of difference. It has to be the harmonizing of difference, the mutual acceptance of difference, the living knowing that I need what's in you that's different for me to be my best self. That's why treasure represents gifts, spiritual gifts, not money, but gifts. God wants to bring different nations into our church this year because God knows that we need the spiritual gifts that people who are different than us have. Wherever you are in your life right now, you can't be your true self until you receive something that somebody very different than you has. God has designed it that way, and I'm going to show you that in Scripture in a moment. So he's shaking the nations. He's bringing the nations into the fold. Not so that we could check off boxes that we have difference, but because we need God has deposited in somebody different than you the next thing you need to be your true self. If you never receive something from somebody who's different than you, you're not living the Trinitarian life where God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, different yet one. The Father needs the Son to be a Father. The Son needs the Father to be a Son. God can't be a Son, God can't be a Father if there's not a Son, and the Son can't be a Son if there's not a Father. And so the Holy Spirit is how God continues to be Father for Son, and how Son continues to be Son for Father. The Holy Spirit is what frees the Father to offer Himself to the Son, and the Holy Spirit is what frees the Son to offer Himself to the Father. The Holy Spirit is freedom to give and receive in the context of things that are different. My spirit 
will remain in your midst. Fear not is our verse for the year. And the first part of that is we need to pack an empty suitcase because we need room in our, li- in our life for the gifts of people who are different than us. So what does he say? He says, I'm going to bring the nations, which is diversity. Um, they're going to bring their treasure, which is their spiritual gifts. And glory, which is cruciform love. What is cruciform love? Love defined by the cross of Jesus Christ. Well, how, does, how is that glory? Read the whole Gospel of John. Every time Jesus talks about his glory, he's talking about the cross. Father, you've glorified me once and you will glorify me again. The cross is the glory of God. The cross is the martyrdom of God. The cross is when we see God in his most true and complete and total self. Total offering. Total offering. The cross is the total offering of God. The baptism of Jesus, not just in water, not just in fire, but into death. Why? Because Jesus is actually giving death an offering. And Jesus is giving death such an amazing offering that death will be transformed into life. Jesus is offering death his own life. And death is th- that offering is so good that death has to say, I'll take it. And death becomes life because even God is so generous that he offers death his very life. That's why it says, my spirit will remain in your midst. Fear not, because even if you die, death has been won over by God. And is no longer death. It's life. I'm just saying crazy things today. Where are we? Empty suitcases. Because we need the nations to bring their gifts. We need diversity. We need difference. We need friends that are different than us in our life. And we need space for them. Cruciform love. We always preach, I always preach that you need to love the world in cruciform love. You need to love the world in self-denial. But here's the thing, Salem. We need to be loved in a forgiving cruciform way. I cannot live a quality life if you're not loving me in a cruciform way. Meaning, forgiving me for my sins, not holding them against me, helping me dust myself off and get back up again. I can't live if my wife and my parents and my best friends and my church don't love me like Jesus on the cross loves me. I can't, I can't just give cruciform love. I need to receive cruciform love. But how many of us like to receive cruciform love from people who are very different than we are. We like to receive it from people we're comfortable with, but I don't like to know that the person who's very different than me, and we kind of don't get along, they're going to love me in a merciful way? That's frustrating. Who wants that? Jesus wants that. Cruciform love is the glory of God. Do you want to know why? God had to hide Moses in a rock when his glory passed by? I'll wait. No one? Do you want to know why Moses had to be hidden in a rock? God said, I'm going to let my glory pass by you. I'm going to send my glory on by. But he hid Moses in a rock. Why? Because God's glory looked like Jesus on the cross. 
and Moses wouldn't have known what the heck he was looking at when a bloody, beat up, and bruised man with a crown of thorns carrying a cross came walking by. God said, I got to hide you, Moses. My glory's going to pass by. And all you will see is the back. You'll see the results of the cross. You'll see the results of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You'll see the results of the resurrection, and you'll be amazed, and you'll be lit up, so lit up that you'll have to wear a veil. But I won't show you the front part, because if you saw a man carrying a cross to save Gentiles and Jews and everyone, you wouldn't see it as glory. You would run from it. Cruciform love is what we need empty suitcases for. Your life cannot exist if you don't have people in it loving you in a self-denying, forgiving way. Why does God want to bring the nations into Salem? Why does he want to bring diversity into Salem? Because my life is not complete. My life, I will never be my true self until I receive what I need from somebody who's different than me. I, on my own, cannot bring myself to my full self. All right, why, how can I say such a thing? Here's how. In the Acts text, in the Acts text, the Samaritans were baptized in the name of Jesus. They were dunked in the tank. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. Believe it or not, I'm getting ready to close here, which means 45 more minutes. The, the Samaritans were baptized in the name of Jesus, but they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. Now, Ephesians tells us that there's only one baptism, right? Peter was baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we don't see where he's baptized in water ever. And Paul was baptized in water, but we don't see where he was ever baptized in the Holy Spirit. But together, Luke, who wrote Acts, is trying to tell us that spirit baptism is like water baptism, and water baptism is like spirit baptism, and that's why Ephesians says there's only one baptism, and that's why we hope for both of them to happen to us all at once. And the reality is, why didn't the Samaritans get the Holy Spirit? They got baptized in the name of Jesus, and Jesus is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you can't be baptized in Jesus and not also be baptized into the Father and baptized in the Holy Spirit because they're the same, yet different. But why didn't the Samaritans get the Holy Spirit? The Samaritans didn't get the Holy Spirit, and here I'll tell you why. God withheld the Spirit from the Samaritans to draw the apostles to them so the apostles would have to touch Samaritans. If the Samaritans got baptized in the Holy Spirit, then the apostles would have never had to go to the Samaritans, and the Samaritans would have never had to receive anything from the apostles. I don't know if you know your Bible very well, But the Jews in Galilee didn't have any dealings with the Samaritans. It was racial. It was racism. It's not a new thing. It's an ism that has existed since the foundations of the world. And the Jews didn't want to go touch Samaritans. And Samaritans didn't want to be touched by Jews. Some Samaritans get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus doesn't get, they get baptized in Jesus, sorry. And Jesus doesn't give them the Holy Spirit because he wants to draw out the apostles so the apostles have to lay their hands on the Samaritans. Look what happens. Nations and diversity come together. 
the disciples offer a gift to the Samaritans by baptizing them in the Holy Spirit, and the Samaritans offer the disciples a gift by letting the disciples see the Holy Spirit filled in other people. They give each other gifts because the, 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 the formula, the connection is not complete until differences are uniting. You can't live a Christian life and only live it with people who live like you, look like you, act like you, believe like you. You can't live a holy life until your life is drawing different kinds of life to you. The Samaritans didn't have the Holy Spirit, and yet the disciples were drawn to them, which is a work of the Holy Spirit. Do you see this? Right now I'm talking to anybody in your life who you have a relationship with Jesus, but you don't feel the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Show of hands, all around the room. <clears throat> I see no one. All around the room. If you've ever been in a position, <laughs> Ian just raised his hand. If you've ever been in a position where you know you have Jesus because you confessed and all that, but you can't feel the Holy Spirit, it may be a work of the Holy Spirit that you can't feel the Holy Spirit because the lack of Holy Spirit is drawing people into your life to remind you that you do have the Holy Spirit which is a work of the Spirit. The Spirit works in felt ways, and the Spirit works in non-felt ways. The Spirit wasn't poured out on the Samaritans, but He sure enough worked through the Samaritans to draw the disciples to them and unite races, unite ethnicities, unite cultures, unite different people groups so they stop fighting and start joining each other and shaking the earth. Man, I feel like if you all here, people would be running around the room right now, passing out, I don't know, waving flags, whatever we do. All right. To be simple, to reiterate, the first thing we needed to pack was a mirror because we need self-awareness. You need awareness right now, and I'm praying Holy Spirit divine awareness on your life for you to truly say, have I surrounded myself with people who are different than me? Or, have I, or do I live my life to be comfortable and be around people who let me be my easiest self? Ian and I just had a wonderful conversation yesterday about being our easiest self is also our most dangerous self. The, my self that I can be without having to try is selfish. I don't have to work on myself to be selfish. I don't have to, like, I don't need a New Year's resolution to be selfish. I don't need a New Year's resolution to be greedy. I don't need a New Year's resolution to get out of shape, to be lazy, to lay around, to watch TV, to complain. I don't need a New Year's resolution for those things because our easiest self is our most dangerous self. And when we only surround ourselves by people who make it easy to be ourselves, we're surrounding ourselves with people who help us be our easiest self. I need to be challenged. I need somebody to be different than me. I need to say things and not feel comfortable because I have a group of people that I can say all kinds of nonsense and we just love each other. We've been around each other so long it gets tolerated. But if I say something in another group, all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I shouldn't have said that. That's a good thing. That group is giving me a gift saying, hey, stop running your mouth. Be careful. We need that in our life. 
So we packed our suitcase with a mirror, self-awareness. Now, I'm sorry, we packed the car with a mirror. Now we're packing the car with an empty suitcase. We need to pull things. We need to pull our comfort out of our suitcase and let it be empty because we need things in our life that come from people who are different. In a cult, everything is the same. In communism, everything is the same. I know people who are so afraid of our government becoming communistic, but when I look at their life, everyone they associate with is exactly like them. There's no difference. There's no salt and pepper in their life at all. Isn't that ironic, don't you think? A little too ironic. It's like rain on your wedding day. Free ride, which you've already paid. I'm just kidding. I don't know how Alanis Morissette jumped in there, but there's an ice storm, so here we are. That's what happens on ice storms. Categories of differences. Ian, you could put them up there. What does it mean for people to be different than us? People who are different than us in our experiences, experiential difference. People who've experienced different, who've lived life and experienced it very differently. People who've had different experiences. We need them in our life. I can't be my true self. My experience isn't the best experience it can be until I see or hear someone else's opinion about it based on their experience. They're not robbing me of my experience. They're giving the full version of my experience when somebody says, you know, I experienced the same thing but slightly differently. Let me tell you, you might be missing something here, Bill. I am missing something. And thank you for telling me. Experiential difference. Cultural difference. And that's where we can plug in ethnicity, color, where we're from, all this kind of stuff that the world's been going bonkers about. Personal or personality difference. My God, me and Ian couldn't be any different. Ian does not know how to say goodbye on the phone without it getting really weird. I just interrupt him all the time. We're very different. Ian finally starts to talk, and I interrupt him. And then when we go to say goodbye, I'm like, bye, Ian. And he's like, you too. And it gets strange. We're so different personality-wise. That's why our relationship as friends is amazing. Because we show each other the rest of ourselves. You ready, Salem? Be quiet. Be easy here. Political difference. Politics are important. We should be involved politically. And I really, really never want to have a church that's the same politically. I need a church that's very diverse politically because I need to be held in tension. I need to be held in tension. I need to know that you got to be careful if you go this too far or you got to be careful if I go this way too far. Not be careful like I shouldn't, but know what you're stepping on. Be aware of yourself. Have self-awareness. It's important. But you need friends. If you're a Republican, you need Democrat friends. If you're a Democrat, you need Republican friends. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, you need some really good friends that want nothing to do with politics. We can't be our best political selves unless we're receiving from people who are on the opposite side. That sounds amazing. That sounds impossible. But if Matthew and Peter could be friends, so can we. And dare I say, ethical and moral differences. There are people in the world, hear me now, internet. There are people in the world who do not share the same ethical or moral values as you share, and yet God has things in their life for you. 
And your life isn't complete until you receive some of the treasures and the gifts of people who don't share your morality or your ethics. How can you say all this? Because Jesus submitted to needing things from us. I don't have COVID. I'm just preaching a lot at 6.30 p.m. on a Saturday. So it's fine. Jesus submitted to baptism. He couldn't baptize himself. John had to baptize him. Jesus submitted to needing help carrying his cross. Jesus submitted to needing an umbilical cord. Jesus needed breast milk. Jesus needed to be taught to speak. The Word of God needed someone to teach him how to say mom and dad. The wise men needed Mary to have wrapped Jesus in swaddling cloths so they knew where to find him. The wise men needed a star. A star is very different than a human. But the wise men needed a star. Mary and Joseph needed the wise men who were different than them. Gentiles, people not from around here. The wise men hopped the border and came to Bethlehem. Came to Bethlehem. And they brought gold, which Mary probably needed later in life to remind herself when she was about to to just slap three-year-old Jesus. He's a king. My son is supposed to be a king. I need patience. Frankincense. To remind her that her son was worship. And myrrh. To remind her that he will be risen from the dead. Mary was a gift to the wise men because she gave them Jesus. The wise men were a gift to Mary because they gave her treasures to remind her of who Jesus was and is and will be. Pack an empty suitcase this year, Salem. Have an empty suitcase. Have room in your life for things that would not normally be put in your suitcase. Have room in your life for friends who are very different than you. Experientially, culturally, personally, politically, ethically and morally different. Have room in your life because they have gifts you need. But they also need you as a gift in their life. God wants this year to deepen our diversity, not just have us be able to check off boxes that we have all different colors, genders, shapes, and sizes, and ages up in Salem Tabernacle, but God wants us to be a church that's showing on a deeper, more unseen, yet more meaningful level that not only are we diverse, but our differences is actually what's keeping each other alive. I need what somebody has who's not like me. And that person needs what I have. Are you willing to take something out of your suitcase so it gets more empty and put it in somebody else's suitcase so it gets more full? Are you really going to end this year with a social network that makes it just so darn easy to be you? Or are you going to venture out into different groups, different people, different experiences with people and live into epiphany? 
live into what Jesus' baptism, live into our baptism? Self-awareness. Look in that mirror and say, is my life really reflecting the diversity of the kingdom of God? Is there mutual need? Where do I need forgiveness in this matter? Where do I need cruciform love? Ian, put that, put that back up there again if you can. Where do I need cruciform love? Simon, who carried Jesus' cross, was from out of town. He was a passerby. He was a person who thought the world didn't recognize him, and if they did, they looked down on him. Next thing you know, he's helping Jesus carry his cross, or Jesus is helping Simon carry Simon's cross, or Simon is helping Jesus. You know what? When, when, when difference unites, I don't know where, we don't know where the giving and the receiving begins and ends. It's one. Because at the end of the day, it's better to give than to receive anyway. So when I give, it is itself a reception. And when I receive with a generous heart, it is itself a giving. I want to challenge you with this before we come to the table. You might be sitting here saying, you know what? Nobody cares about me. Nobody calls me. Let me ask you a question. Just ask yourself this. And it might not be, it might not be you, but ask yourself this. Are you approachable? I'm going to put myself on blast here and see if I could find this verse real fast. It's 3 John, so I think I could find it. This is just coming to me now. I think I could find it in 3 John. Here we go. Jude. There it is. 3 John, chapter 15. Uh, 3 John, verse 15. 3 John, verse 15. Listen to what he says. Peace be to you. And then he says this. Listen. The friends greet you, greet the friends. Such a unique verse. The friends greet you, greet the friends. The friends greet you, greet the friends. What does this mean? This means that we need to both reach out to greet, but we also need to be greetable. Are we approachable? Or are we judgy and nitpicky and cynical and nothing is ever right and we're high maintenance and we just are so high strung and our and our you know we, we just we have preferences that just have to be met and all of a sudden people are just tired hanging out. Self awareness, that mirror is the only way to an empty suitcase. God wants us to live into our baptism. He wants us to live into our baptism so that we can live with him. And as it said in Isaiah 43, and everyone he made has to come together at a table. This table is one loaf of bread being received by many different people. It's one loaf being received by many different people. One body of Jesus being received by white people and black people and blue people and yellow people and the whole rainbow of people and people of different 
times and past, present, and it will be in the future, and people with different experiences, and people with different views on the table, and, and some people think it's a memorial, and some people think it's literal, and some people think it's sacramental. Me, I think it's sacramental. And people believe all these different things, and what does Jesus say? His one body enters all of these different bodies so that unity can happen in difference, in different people. God is not asking you to become the same as everybody. He's asking us to have our difference be celebrated while we maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So would you take your bread and your cup this morning? Lord Jesus, on the night when you were betrayed because people wanted you to be just like them, and when you refused to be just like them, they killed you. And we're still doing this. We're still doing this. On the Feast of Epiphany, we're still storming fences, and we're still rioting, and we're still fighting because we want things to be the same as us. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, that as we get ready to receive, especially today, as we get ready to receive this meal in all the different ways we're going to receive it, I pray that on the night when you were betrayed and you took bread, I pray that we would be like you when you said, this is my body broken for you. My body can land in the difference and make it beautiful. Your body can help us celebrate difference, not be intimidated or thrown off by it or afraid of it or feel like it's a competition. And after supper, you took bread, uh, you took the cup of wine and you said, This is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance or in remembrance, re-being put back together with me. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you descend on this bread and this cup and make it for your people the body and blood of Jesus, the food and drink of new and unending life in him. And I pray that you would sanctify us right now. Give us a mirror to see where our suitcase is packed with too much of our own stuff. Help us empty out the suitcase so that we could receive the gifts and the point of view and the ideas and the experiences of other people. That we all could bring our different food and put it on the table and experience the marriage supper of the Lamb. Marriage where two differences are brought together as one. Would you partake with me this morning? These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Ian, do you have that prayer from last week? There's a prayer that we prayed last week that I don't have in front of me right now. Ian's going to see if he can get it so that we can pray it together. If not, that's okay, because we're kind of flying along here. Give everybody a chance to... All right, here we go. Ian's going to put this up on the screen. He's going to give me a thumbs up when it's up on the screen for everybody to see. 
Let's pray this together right now. Everybody, on the count of three, we're going to pray this together. One, two, three. In darkness and in light, in trouble and in joy, help us, Heavenly Father, to trust your love, to serve your purpose, and to praise your name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York, a community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be.